All right, everybody, now's the time. Brown right, motion, tailback slant. Let's put the women and children to bed and go looking for fucking dinner, all right? On one, ready? Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Costa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. In this episode, we're going to cover the regular weekly picks for all Week 11 games across the NFL. We're going to get to Andy's total prop tees and also your news of the week. But first, with me as always, from Almost Wise Guys Central, Andy the Prognosticator Attridge. How you doing, bud? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Good. Uh, yeah, we cashed in a lot of our predictions last week. Uh, most importantly, including the end of the Chiefs 9-0 and winning streak against the coin toss. Yeah, that was such a great call, buddy. Yeah, yeah, it was. I, uh, I'm, I'm, my arm's sore from patting myself on the back for that one. <laughs> um, most importantly, I do not have to create a support group for Cleveland Browns backers as they not only covered the spread, but convincingly beat the Falcons outright 28-16. to What a crazy game. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. The uh, new coach just let him play. That was good. I like to see that. And how about the Titans, Pats? I didn't yeah, see that, that beat down coming. No, that was that was significant. That was well. I don't know if that was their Super Bowl or not, but there was certainly some bad blood between the two teams. So. Most definitely. Uh, Although Belichick gave Rabel a hug, you don't see that kind of emotion out of the hoodie that often. And you probably won't again. It's not going to be too often that you're going to see a former player of his. He certainly doesn't do it with former assistant coaches. Although I don't know how you get your arms around Matt Patricia. Um, <laughs> Vrabel did help him win a few Super Bowls, though. Yes, he did. He probably owed him one. An instrumental part of the team. So there are some interesting spreads on the board this week. Carolina, or sorry, Arizona Cardinals are five-point favorites. The New York football giants are a favorite against Tampa Bay. And the Kansas City Chiefs are an underdog against the Rams. That game's total is, in fact, the highest in NFL history. And its location has been moved to a different country. Now, we've got the division-leading Houston Texans playing against the division-leading professional team from Washington. uh, That sounds odd, coming off the tongue that way. It does. top, Top of their divisions, but... Although that division is the weakest in football right now. Which one? The NFC East? Yes. Yes. Um, That is a horrible division. Like the the foremost Super Bowl champs don't look that great either. I think I mentioned this on our podcast either the last week or the week before. In the last 14 seasons, they've had a a different division winner every single year. Wow. That talks to league parity a lot, but... uh, yeah, yeah and, and the shitty GMs that populate the NFC East. <laughs> yeah, you could say that too. Dan well, Snyder, Jimmy should, Jones. <laughs> should we get to some news of the week? I think we should. Sportscaster Randy Howe was arrested Tuesday morning for allegedly masturbating at an unnamed bar in North Las Vegas. This according to a police report obtained by the Las Vegas Sun. Police have charged him with indecent exposure and open gross lewdness. 
Howe, who was bailed out of jail the same day, put up a defense. Howe insisted he was not masturbating, saying he had a severe rash and was scratching himself, the report said. He said he, quote, probably shouldn't have been scratching himself at the bar and that it was a bad decision. An employee at the Unidentified Tavern called the police at about 9.15 a.m. to report that a patron sitting at a slot machine at the bar had allegedly been masturbating, according to the report. Yeah, I think the most disturbing thing about this incident is that it took place at 9.15 a.m. Can you imagine finishing off a nice steak and egg breakfast at the casino buffet and witnessing that? Yeah, and really he should have been at a free clinic as uh, if you've got a, the type of rash that requires you to take your dick out and beat it, you better see a doctor. Run and don't walk. <laughs> oh, the humanity. Los Angeles Rams offensive tackle Andrew Whitworth will donate a game check to families of the victims of the shooting in Thousand Oaks, California, earlier this month. The mass shooting that killed 12 people took place at Borderline Bar and Grill, which is in the same city as the Rams training complex. Whitworth's check will go to the Ventura County Community Foundation's Conejo Valley Victims Fund. Not everything that makes our news of the week requires a punchline. Good for you, Andrew Whitworth. Tip of the hat. <laughs> Astronomers have found a frozen exoplanet more than three times the mass of Earth orbiting a star that's only six light years away. Only. The planet, known as Barnard Star B, it's slightly colder than Saturn. The researchers believe that it is an icy desert with no liquid water, a hostile environment where the average surface temperature is around minus 274 degrees Fahrenheit. Let's see. Cold climate, hostile environment. It's just like playing on the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field in the middle of January. I wonder if Bernard Star B also has semi-intelligent life that wears blocks of cheese on their heads. Monica Lewinsky has just sat down for 20 hours of interview time for the new Bill Clinton documentary titled The Clinton Affair. Amongst other things, she said she's willing to offer another apology to Hillary and Chelsea Clinton for her role in the scandal that led to the president's impeachment. You know, this is a good step. I think we're beginning to build a bridge here. I think now the Clintons, they should extend an olive branch to Lewinsky. And a great way to do that would be for Bill to finally pay for Monica's dry cleaning tab with interest. I know you don't think you're good enough for me, but believe me, you are. Hell, I've done it with pigs. <laughs> Real no fooling pigs. All right, let's fire it up. It's time for our weekly picks. We start off this Sunday in the Motor City where the Detroit Lions, four-point underdogs at home against the Carolina Panthers. I know we love our home dogs, Andy. But uh, after the beatdown Detroit got at the hands of Chicago last week and Carolina just rolling this year and it's in a dome, I think this sets up well for Cam Newton. How about you? Well, both teams got beat down last week. <laughs> you know, Carolina did it True. in prime time against Pittsburgh. And, uh, yeah, uh, Detroit really, I think, showed their true colors against your Bears. Um, that was an interesting game. 
I, I'm gonna, you know, let's. I know it's the first one on the docket, but let's co- not only call this a sandwich game. Let's call this a Chicago Bears sandwich game. It's a Chicago Bears sandwich game. The Bears and the Lions play each other eleven days apart, with this game in between. Hmm. Um, the O line for the Lions has given up 19 sacks in their last three games, including 10 last week against the Bears. Let me repeat that. 10 sacks given up against the Bears. The Bears. Finally, someone other than Cam Newton is leading the Panthers in rushing yards, and of course, that is their Swiss Army knife in the backfield, Christian McCaffrey, who also has 439 receiving yards this year. Detroit is still reeling from the loss of Golden Tate. I have the feeling that that was their jumping the shark moment of the season, the point where the rest of the team is just packing it in. And four points looks like a lot for a road team to cover, but I'm taking the Panthers on this one. Yeah, I've got the Panthers all the way. Uh, The Detroit Lions are not the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, I think that uh, beatdown that Cam Newton and the Panthers took last week on Thursday night in prime time, I think that was a bit of a wake-up call. That was the slap. That's the bucket of water on you while you're sleeping. I think they come back this week and uh, once again prove they're they're one of the top echelon teams in the NFC this year. Definitely Carolina. If you walk through the garden, you better watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. To Charm City we go, where the Baltimore Ravens play host to a division rival Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the original spread was uh, six and a half points here, but Flacco's status makes that pretty uncertain, eh, bud? Yeah, well, let's just clarify things for our listeners. Um, sometimes the lines are off the board when we record, but what we have been doing and will continue to do is use the lines from the Westgate Super Contest. Uh, they put their lines out on Wednesday, and right now that's the largest kind of tournament in the world. So it's widely recognized, and a lot of people go to those spreads um, religiously. So we're going to follow those because uh, they put them out before we record. So for sake of argument, we're going to put uh, six and a half on the board for the Ravens, even though we don't know uh, Joe Flacco's status with his hip injury. It's also <laughs> – I, I also heard that uh, – Lamar Jackson, who everyone is itching to see play, has a stomach issue. I think it's a flu bug. <laughs> so enter Robert Griffin III as a possible starter for the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, maybe he'll tear it up, get the Madden cover next year. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's already had one of those, hasn't he? Yeah, that's and that hence the curse, buddy. Hence the I, curse. I, no, actually, I was thinking about this. If if he cuts in the middle and goes upfield and gets taken out, who's going to play quarterback then? Like, who are they going to bring in? Oh, they're going to suit up Harbaugh. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I never thought of that. I was like, oh, Terrell Suggs could do it. Yeah. Oh, T. Sizzle would be a fun quarterback to have, though. No, no, no. I, I like the Harbaugh thing. That would be great. Put a Cole Tellman on him. Oh. oh, no, that was his brother, Jim. Yeah, that was his brother. John played for the Bears, did he not? Or was that Jim? No, that was Jim. See, we don't even we we definitely don't know who the best car is anymore. But we it's not, don't know who it's the not best Derek. Is. And we now don't know who the best uh who we just the talking Harbaugh about. Is. Yeah, we don't know who the best Harbaugh is now. So 
Well, as luck would have it, Maddie, I did some research on Cincinnati's offensive stats, and I went to what the kids are calling today the Google. So I went onto the Google, and I put in offensive stats for Cincinnati. And what the Google um, pinned back to me was uh, the most offensive thing about their team is the play of their defense. They're on a pace to be giving up the most yards for a team ever in a season. They're averaging 454.6 yards allowed per game. In fact, in their last three games, that number climbs to 545. And I, I'm imagining they didn't play Tom Brady three games in a row, did they? Or Drew Brees? Uh, uh, last I checked, they did not. Yeah. <laughs> so even with RG3 and possibly Lamar Jackson, I, I, I don't really care. There's or no even depth. Harbaugh. Or even Harbaugh throwing Ditka. Yeah. No A.J. Green, no defense to speak of, no bet on the bungles. We're going to go with the Ravens. Welcome to Atlanta where the players play and we ride on them things like every day. Big beats hit the streets, see gangsters roaming and parties don't stop till 8 in the morning. Welcome to Atlanta where the players play and we ride on them things like every day. Big beats. Up next, the Atlanta Falcons. Three and a half point favorites at home against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Atlanta does play better at home. But that was an odd game against the Browns. I didn't expect, I expected that game to be close, not so one sided for Cleveland. And then Dallas last week. I mean, I, I don't, sometimes I just don't know what to make of this, uh, this season for some of these teams. No, but let's play into those narratives as the line gets posted. You know, you've got the recency effect, which we're going to talk about a few times this week. So Dallas looked really good against Philly, and and not to discount anything, they played better than Philly did, and they deserve to win. Atlanta, yeah, yeah you know, every now and then you're going to crap the bed, especially on on but the road against the, the Eagles. I think are a hot mess. I well, okay. So right now, both teams are four and five. Okay, this one ticked down from uh, to three and a half to. I think it's sitting at three right now. But anyway, I really like the way Dallas played, as I say, on Monday against the Eagles. They ran the ball well, and they played really well on defense. Now Atlanta, who's been banged up in the secondary, gets Pro Bowl linebacker Deion Jones back. And this guy is a run stopper and a coverage specialist. And if you don't think he means anything to the line, and trust me, the line's not moving because of uh, Deion Jones, but... He's going to be a big difference, and I think they get the defense shored up, and Matty Ice plays really well in his own crib. I like the Falcons to cover this one. Yeah, very interesting just to touch on that, Dallas. Two keys that you said right there, I think, are why Jason Garrett needs to be fired. They ran the ball well, and they played really well on D. And Jason Garrett, you shouldn't be this far into your tenure with Ezekiel Elliott realizing that you got to pound the rock. Yeah. When you've got a talent, I'm not even a Cowboys fan, but I love watching that guy run. That oh, guy's almost a generational type of running back. He, exactly. And when you have that kind of running back and you can give him the rock 20, 25 times a game, back in the day it would have been 35. But, yeah, you know, but, you and, 20, and they have their own line. they yeah. got a great old line still. But think about the pressure that takes off Dak. Yeah. Now when Dak needs it, 
He can go to the play action or he can take his shot downfield because everybody's respecting the run. Yeah. And that why that is exactly why Jason Garrett needs to be fired. He has never used his personnel properly in his tenure as coach for the Cowboys. Never. You, you have to coach to the people that you have. And I think that's also why a guy like Bill Belichick is still successful in New England because it doesn't matter who you plug in. He recognizes that talent, sees what they're good at doing, and then builds a system for that. Jason Garrett just seems to be calling plays like a high school coach. It's, it, it's, Dallas, there's no way that they should be four and five this far along in his tenure with Dak Prescott approaching the end of his rookie contract. They could have done they could have put so much talent around him like a Patrick Mahomes because they had the cap room because you're not paying it all to your quarterback. But instead, they've made blunder after blunder in the front office and Garrett on the field is just it's that that organization sucks. And yes, that was a diatribe against Dallas. And yes, I also am going for the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, as you say, you know, with that rookie contract with Dak, that window's closing and they did not capitalize on that. And you know who else's window is closing? That's Jerry Jones. And, you know, as much as I. I dislike the way he runs a, a football team. You, you don't want to see guys, you know, fall off the face of the earth, but his days are numbered. I don't know why he's sticking with Garrett, but that's reason number 27 that Jason Garrett should not be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. America's team. I want me some glory hope. Washington Redskins, go fuck yourself. Sure, we'd be happy to take your money. Yep, just go to our Kickstarter page. Okay, nice idiot. Uh-huh, fuck you. Bye-bye. On to the professional football team from Washington. They're at home this week, but three-point underdogs to the visiting Houston Texans. Do we like the home dog here, Andy? Well, this is an interesting matchup. you got teams with records that they really don't deserve. They're both leading their division. Um, Washington, actually, by two games. Washington has 23 players listed on their injury report. More importantly, three and more likely, four of their starting offensive linemen will not be playing. And that includes both guards, Brandon Scherf and Sean Laveo, who have been entirely ruled out to start, and also Trent Williams, their tackle. Quinton Dunbar, Washington's number two cornerback, is out with a shin injury, and he was supposed to be the guy covering Demarius Thomas. Look for him to get a lot of yards this week. Now, Houston is riding, indeed, a six-game winning streak. But let's look who they've beaten in that time. The Broncos, the Dolphins, the Jaguars, the Bills, the Cowboys, and the Colts. All teams with losing or 500 records. I'm going with the Texans here. Yeah, I would definitely pick Houston here as well. Uh, this sets up, I, I mean, I, that's not really a murderer's row there with the Broncos, Dolphins, Jags, Bills, Cowboys, and Colts uh, that, that Houston's gone through. I just find Washington... I don't like that injury report. That's way like when you've got that many guys on your offensive line out, how's your quarterback going to get the ball downfield at all? If he's constantly running away from defensive linemen and linebackers, I just think that Houston's going to come in there. They, they've got a pretty, pretty decent defense and uh, I, they'll definitely win this game. Well, what do you think old man Peterson and the, and the backfield's going to do against guys like JJ Watt and uh, Clowney and merciless? Hey, man, I don't knock old men anymore ever since I watched Frank Gore run. <laughs> ever since I don't you know. became one last week. Well, that, that too. 
But watching Frank Gore run, sometimes I just think that some dudes just got it. You know, I I don't think AP is what he once was, but I think he still has a few runs left in him. But Houston this week, it's going to be pretty limited. You can't miss with the big cat. Look here, this is our house. You can't miss with the big cat. Look here, this is our house. On to Jacksonville, the Jaguars, five and a half point dogs at home. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. But of course, that is to the visiting Pittsburgh Steelers, who just shellacked one of the class teams of the NFC last week and did it with style. Yeah, well, the Jags are coming in here allowing the fewest passing yards per game, as you would expect. More than anyone else in the league at just over 200. But yeah, Pittsburgh put on a clinic last week against the Panthers. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw this, Maddie, but this week, uh, Lev Bell's ra- uh, locker got raided. Uh, let me read this to you. The, let me put the glasses on so I get it right. According to multiple reports, they took his nameplate off his stall and divided up his items they found in the locker. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler posted a video showing linebacker Bud Dupree thanking Bell for his Jordan brand cleats before putting on one of those shoes on for himself. Wow. Now, I'm going to call this the recency effect. Again, we talked about it earlier. We watched the Steelers absolutely crush the Panthers last week. On prime time, nonetheless. And, of course, Jacksonville lost to the Colts, who were 3-5 and five at the time. Now, the last time Pittsburgh and Jacksonville played was in the playoffs last year, where the Jags narrowly beat the Steelers 45-42. to And I think, to quote me on this, but I think it was the highest scoring playoff game ever. Well, maybe Lev Bell will be cited in that oversized hot tub that they've got. And Big Ben could check it out for a potential date that night, 21 and over. Well, then, then he's not interested at that point. Yeah. True. It's not in a bathroom stall either. I, I, I think this number's a little bit inflated. I like the home team dog here. Let's go with the Jacksonville Jaguars as an ugly dog. Oh, dude, I'm not. I, we love our home dogs, but I do not love Jacksonville. And the way Pittsburgh's defense looked against Carolina, if that defense shows up, Blake Bortles is going to shit his pants and call his mother. This game is Steelers all the way. No problem covering. It's up to you, New York, New York. New York, New York, hey. It's the Giants and the G-Men inexplicably one and a half point favorites against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know that was a big uh, comeback on Monday night, which, by the way, was surprisingly an interesting Monday night game, although you're fucking... Niners screwed me on the over-under. I thought that game would go under, but of course they couldn't hold Eli Manning and his weak-ass arm to, you know, 10 points. They had to let him go wild. No, so that was... You, that, no, that, let's go back to that game, because that was... Yeah, let's actually, go back to that game, and why the fuck you leaving Odell Beckham in the end zone <laughs> uncovered Well, no, because they ran, the play, score. they ran the same play before. They ran exactly the same play before, and the defense caught up to exactly what they were doing, and they knocked the ball out in completion, and then they ran it again, and then the the cornerback the, the is calling for the safety to come over, and he doesn't. I, and I, 
Just okay. and, and that's where, as cornerback, you got to be like somebody's got to be on Odell fucking Beckham. No, two guys have to be on yeah, Odell Beckham, right? And this, I was that was disappointing. I really thought that was that that three point spread or it got to three and a half. I think by game time, I thought that was a gift. Well, do you know what? The 49ers blitzed how many times against the weak Eli Manning? Once. Once the entire game. I don't know what the defensive scheme was that Sally came up with, but when you got a guy that e- like Eli Manning, who the last thing you want to give him is more time in the pocket, why are you not blitzing on almost every play, at least every third down, for Christ's sakes? That was, that, it was disappointing all around. But that being said, Maddie. Despite the fact that my Niners lost, it was a very entertaining game to watch. It was almost like watching a game back in the 1990s. I mean, there wasn't any real flashy plays on offense, and nor were there any crazy turnovers on defense. And Jeff Hostetler wasn't facing off against Joe Montana. Yeah, and it was just a backer for um, Phil Simms. You know, it was just a back and forth good battle. Uh, I really enjoyed watching that game. In fact, I've, I've enjoyed watching that game probably more so than any other game. I don't need a 48 to 43 score to make me happy. This was fine. And yeah, I mean, I'm obviously I'm disappointed that the 49ers didn't win, but um, that was good football. That was good old fashioned football. It was good football, but do you think that the giants really deserve to be one and a half point favorites against the bucks? Well, I think the bucks have done a little better this year than the giants and the giants don't seem to have home field advantage at all this year. So the Bucks put up three points against the professional team from Washington last week. And that was with 500 yards on offense. Yeah, that was bizarre. 500 yards, and they come out with three points. Unreal. Um, now, would it surprise you to know that the Bucks have more yards per game than the Rams, the Chiefs, the Steelers, and the Saints? Would you draw them up? No, that would surprise me, actually. I had no idea. And considering the state of the New York football giants, I think it wouldn't surprise you to know that I am going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is Johnny United for the Baltimore Colts. Let's go, you Colts. Indianapolis Colts are at home this week. They're two-point favorites against the visiting Tennessee Titans. Tennessee coming off that big emotional win against uh, New England. Do you think that helps uh, propel them on the road here to beat uh, the Colts? Not at all. Yeah, I, I fully agree it, with you on that, no, by I the would way. Be blunt, not at all. Um, in fact, quite the opposite. And he's... Six and one against the spread in the last seven against Tennessee. And in fact, the Titans have never beaten the Colts with Andrew Luck under center. So the recency effect would suggest that Tennessee, with a big win against the Pats, would put them as favorites. They left nothing on the field there, and now they're on the road. Indy's got a great O-line. They're averaging over 400 yards on offense in their past three games. They're also averaging 28.9 points a game, which is even more than the Patriots are putting up. And with Tennessee, the only team averaging fewer points per game are the Bills, the Cardinals, the Raiders, and the Jaguars. Colts all the way here, man. I'm just surprised this this uh, the spread's so low. 
Yeah, I think anything under three points especially is a gift, and I'd even probably take them at three and a half. Uh, Colts for sure. Andrew Luck always plays really well at home as well, and uh, he limits his turnovers uh, at home a lot more than he does on the road. Uh, Tennessee, I think you're right. They spent it all on the field last week. Then they got to go on the road to Indy. It's not a good spot for them. The home team here should definitely cover, especially with a two-point spread. Live and die in LA, where every day we try to fatten our pockets. Us niggas hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock. Everybody got their own thing coming to chasing worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Los Angeles Chargers at home against the Denver Broncos. This here is a divisional game, and I'm blown away that it's a seven point spread in favor of the Chargers. You think that's a little large for a divisional game? Um. Typically, yeah. I mean, well, let's get in the numbers here. But before we even get into the numbers, let's get into some personnel things. Joey Bosa is listed as questionable for return with the Chargers. He, of course, has been out the entire season with a foot injury. Here's what Rex Ryan thinks of it. This offense is scary. If Joey Bosa ever decides to show up, I don't know if he has to ask his dad for permission. Because, uh, you know, we know the Bosa's that if there's an injury that's a week to 12 weeks, they're going to take it all the way to 12 weeks. Interesting that Rex Ryan would weigh in on a foot-related issue. This is your wife on this, in the paper. A lot of people have commented it's his wife. And it's kind of cool that he has a fetish with his wife's feet. You know, and I understand, you know, I'm going to get asked this question front way, sideways, back way, and all this. It's... It is a personal, it's a personal matter. In their last 21 games, the Chargers have won 16 of them. Their five losses have come against the Patriots, Jags, and Chiefs from last season and the Chiefs and Rams from this year, which is exactly why this number is so high. The public is high as a kite on the former San Diego Superchargers. And as you mentioned earlier, yes, it's a divisional game. And Denver is coming off a bye I believe that Vance Joseph is on the hot seat, and I look for the Broncos to have a really good showing here and a good showing enough to cover a seven-point spread, even on the road. You know I ride with my Arizona Cardinals. Most likely I'm going to die as an Arizona Cardinal. I'm going outside, ripping Arizona Cardinals. And everywhere I go, I rip my Arizona Cardinals. Now we move to the afternoon games in the desert. For the Arizona Cardinals, five and a half point favorites. But of course, that is against the lowly Oakland Raiders. And uh, the autumn wind is more like a breeze nowadays, isn't it? Barely even that, Matty. What kind of a world do we live in where the Arizona Cardinals are a five and a half point favorite against anyone in the NFL? I don't know. It's a sad day. Al Al Davis just turned over in his grave so everybody could kiss his ass. Uh, you know what, Arizona, they put a pretty inspired, they put up a pretty inspired game against the Chiefs last week. They covered that spread, which, by the way, we called. I could still pick winners, and I could still make money for all kinds of people back home. Oakland, they're just, they're giving up on Chucky. They're giving up on Chucky. Chucky? Chucky? Honestly, dude, not only will I not watch this game, I wouldn't even bet it with your money, but, uh, force my hand and to make a pick i'll take zone at home 
Please hang up and try again. When the saints come marching in, marching in. When the saints come marching in, marching in. I wanna be in that number. Now we move down south to New Orleans, where, uh, wow, the Saints are just something else lately. They are just firing on all cylinders, and that puts them at eight-and-a-half-point favorites against the visiting Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. And I said it before, Philadelphia is a hot mess this year. They are, they look like shit. <laughs> Come on, dude. Eight-and-a-half points? Are you shitting me? New Orleans is second last in passing yards per game on defense. Now, okay, we saw the Eagles get embarrassed on primetime against Dallas that actually hadn't won a single road game going into that all year. Conversely, the Saints put on a damn clinic against the Bengals in Cincinnati. They possessed the ball, Matty, 10 times. They scored on nine of them and knelt down for the final one to show Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton a little bit of mercy. Again, the recency effect in this point spread is huge. The look-ahead line in this game seven days ago was six and a half. Now it's at eight and a half. Moving through that seven point is huge. There's just a lot of line value in the Eagles in this one, and I look for them to have an, an inspired performance. Did you put some fucking hallucinogenic mushrooms in your wine tonight there, buddy? Oh, man. What? I'm so high right now. I have no idea what's going on. They're playing in the fucking Superdome in Philadelphia. Carson Wentz couldn't hit sand if he fell off a camel. They they suck. Yeah, Mo, that team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. New Orleans is going to win by 20 points. Dude, man, these are the reigning Super Bowl champions. Yeah, and that was last year. And this year, they suck. They are so bad. Fletcher Cox is going to have a field day with young Drew Brees. Yeah, I think Drew Brees is going to have a field day with the entire Eagles defense. So we'll have to chalk this one up uh, to one of our disagreements this week because I I will definitely put my money on New Orleans. And when I say a young Drew Brees, I mean that he's four years younger than me, so that makes him young. But no, you're, uh, you're on crack, dude. All right. Please hang up and try again. Oh, yes, my Chicago Bears. My first place Chicago Bears in the Windy City. Uh, They're back home at Soldier Field again this week. Two and a half point favorites against the visiting Minnesota Vikings. Big divisional matchup. Nice little spread for that divisional matchup. But uh, Chicago should win here because they're the Bears and it's Soldier Field. Right? They should. Not. <laughs> oh, they don't. Dude. Don't if you try to make a case for Minnesota, I don't think we can be friends. Well, let's first make a case for the Chicago Bears. They lead the league in giveaway takeaways, and that that ratio is at plus thirteen, highest in the league. But that's due for a regression. Trubisky isn't turning the ball over. That's part of the reason that the giveaway take takeaway 
ratio is so much in favor of Chicago. Yes, everybody gives their defense so much credit for taking the ball away. And by the way, they should get all that credit for taking the ball away. But Mitch Trubisky doesn't get enough credit for not turning the ball over, as a lot of young quarterbacks have a tendency to do. I think that Minnesota, like their defense is not even close to what it was last year. This isn't the same Vikings team that was last year. I'll disagree with you 100% on that. Um, Their defense is playing, I I think they've got a better defense than the Chicago Bears do. It was at this moment he knew. He fucked up. Yo, and I'm on crack. You are a hoser. No, Take man. off, eh? That no, is the man. worst analysis I've ever heard you make on this show. Are you fucking... You're on lewds. You're thinking about Minnesota is wait, Minnesota Vikings have a better defense than the Chicago Bears. Do you know how fucking... Does everybody on this podcast hear how angry I am right now? My face is red. What the hell's going on, Andy? Are you doing this just to get me all riled up? Minnesota is so good on third down that the average that the opposing team starts at is is eight yards back on third down. Well, that's great. Their state has a lot of fucking lakes, too. They want a medal or a chest to pin it on. That's like one stat. They're going to take the ball away all day from Kirk Cousins in that weak-ass offense of theirs, and uh, Trubisky's going to keep it, keep it real, keep handing the ball to Jordan Howard. Using Tariq Keep Cohen. Handing it to him. They just started handing it to him. Yeah, and look how well it's going for them. My first place Bears seem to be doing better than your shitty 49ers. Well, hey, don't, Ooh, let's not get too fucking personal boom. about this. All oh, right? it's personal. It's on. As soon as Dude, you, as soon as you said you the Vikings. Minnesota is a better fucking team than the as Chicago As soon as you said Bears. Minnesota's defense is better than Chicago's defense, your credibility just went out the window, buddy. There's Dude, no man. way. No Minnesota way. is coming off a bye week. They're prepared. They don't have to face Detroit twice in 11 days. <laughs> okay, listen, I, I think I'm being very serious now. Somebody called Mrs. Attridge. Andy is having a stroke. My good friend is having a stroke, and he's now fucked. Somebody get him to a hospital. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. Screaming Vikings. Screaming Vikings. <laughs> And finally, the Monday Nighter this week, and this is the game to end all games. games. Highly anticipated, a huge total on the board, and it's, well, a Super Bowl favorite for for a lot of people. L.A. Rams at home, three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Kansas City Chiefs. It was supposed to be in Mexico City. Uh, Their turf was shit, so they moved it to L.A., uh, do you think that move bodes well for the Rams? Well, I'll move the line one point, but I mean, what a bunch of fucking pussies. Like, fuck off. The, the field's not perfect. I'm not going to play if you fuck off. Like, you talk about teams from the 60s playing at Soldier Field or Veterans Stadium. They always Lambo. played with shitty field conditions. Yeah. Just because, oh, there was a concert there the night. Fuck off, man. Go down there, fucking play your game. Stop whining. Um, but 
obviously, that being said, the league has made their decision, and what Roger Goodell says goes. Although I did see that really screws a lot of fans. A few fans from Kansas City I saw on Twitter, they'd booked you know tickets and flights and all that to Mexico, and now they're going to be stuck watching the game at the resort or at a bar because <laughs> they're not going to the game. Well, it's a lot easier than getting over that barbed wire fence. <laughs> the wall. <laughs> They've got so, 15,000 troops down there now, too, so you better have your well, passport if you want to get back in. I, you know what? So this is a funny game in a few, for, in a few ways. Okay, so the line moved from two, two and a half to three and a half. I get that, right? The Rams' home field advantage is definitely worth a point. But that's a huge point. Two and a half to three and a half. 64 and a half points on the total is the largest we've ever seen in the history of the NFL. And guess what? That number didn't move one iota when it was in Mexico or now that it's in L.A. That's weird. That's, that demonstrates that the bookmakers really don't know where to put it. They're just tempting the public to figure it out where the soft spot is. <laughs> Even at 64 I would go over the total on this one. Yeah, this is going to be a shootout, complete shootout. And I'll tell you why. So, Casey, yes, we know how many wins they have. And we've heard about how weak their defense is. Well, we were even talking over text. I'm going to start golf on my fantasy team this week because Casey's defense, their secondary is garbage. For shizzle. For shizzle. And in the last four games, Kansas City has played Cincinnati. Denver, Cleveland, and Arizona. Well, anyone would look good playing against those four teams. Uh, Justin Houston is back on their defense. We actually played last week against the Cardinals. Clearly, the public is on the Chiefs. Over 80% of the tickets are on KC. Wade Phillips, the defensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams, will create some clever schemes for Mahomes and that offense, that tricky little offense. I really think this is more of a battle of who's got the better defense, and I think the Rams have the better defense. We both know how much they can throw up on O, but at home, I, I even even with the hook, I'm liking the Rams here at, at minus three and a half. This is a little segment we like to call Andy's Total Prop Tees, and uh, this is where Andy makes a recommendation on a point total proposition bet, finally a teaser. We invite our listeners to do the same thing on our Facebook page. Uh, a successful total prop tease is any combo that hits two out of the three. So, Mr. Prognosticator, take out your Swami hat. Give us your week 11 thoughts. All right. So, for the total, we are going to Jacksonville, Florida, where the Steelers are coming in. The game is right now set at 46.5 points. Last time these two teams met up, the total score, as I mentioned earlier, amounted to 87. So I'm looking for this to go back and revert to a high-scoring game. Blake Bortles finds his groove, and it's going to go a little bit over the 46.5. For a proposition bet, we're going to go down to Hotlanta, where Dallas is playing the Falcons, and we're going to look at the team to commit the first penalty. Right now, the Cowboys are sitting in at minus 125. In the last three games, the Cowboys have registered 6.3 penalties per game versus 4.3 in the last three games for the Falcons. So, 
even though the juice is at minus 125, go for the Cowboys to commit the first penalty. Our teaser involves the Minnesota Vikings at Chicago. Push them up to plus eight and a half. And on the other side of the ticket, take Tampa Bay to go to plus seven and a half. Again, both these games going through two key numbers of seven and three. And cash that money at the wicket. Thank you to all our fans for listening to episode 11 of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all Week 11 games across the NFL. Please submit your questions to almostwiseguys at gmail.com or our Facebook fan page. From the Costa Nostra Studios, for Andy the Prognosticator, Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. I see you waiting on a train. I see you waiting for your love. Cause this is all that I am asking you for. Are there so many things that you and I will never understand? Cause this is all that I am asking you for Under the sea Under the highway on the rail Under the promises you gave to me And all your letters in the mail I sit here waiting on a train Because I'll never get enough I sit here waiting like a fool for you I sit here waiting on your love I sit here waiting on a train I sit here running out of time Cause this is all that I am asking you for Cause this is all that I am asking you for Mess around, why won't you give that man an answer? Under the sea, under the highway, on the rail, under the promises you gave to me, and all your letters in the mail. I sit here waiting on a train because I'll never get enough. I sit here waiting like a fool. For you, I sit here waiting on your love. Shooting through your tunnel vision, riding on your indecision. Round and round, tightly wound, racing through the underground. I wish I could control it all, I wish it was irrelevant. I wish I was a button push, I wish I was the president.
under the highway on the rail Under the promises you gave to me And all your letters in the mail I sit here waiting on a train Because I'll never get enough I sit here waiting like a fool for you I sit here waiting on your love 